that's when I would say I learned, according to a, a family friend who kind of put it that way and mm-hmm. stuck with me, that I capture the essence of humanity. So I mm. tend to just kind of kept that with me. I realized, you're right, that's what I do. I love portraits the most. So, for example, whenever it was lunchtime um, and the kids knew that they didn't have to be so professional in a quarter, whenever they were just being themselves, I, that's the perfect, the best photo, my favorite photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so moments like that of just capturing kids being kids. So I started in Ghana and then... I, you know, took my camera also back with me in Gambia. And then while we were in the Gambia, we got to go spend, I think, five days in Senegal. So I um, took my camera there too, of course, and then South Africa. So, but I just feel like there was such a theme. Welcome to Young Gifted and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Zakira as the guest. Um, But before I tell you about Zakira, I have some good news to share. First of all, I got my voice back. (laughs) Hallelujah, I got my voice back. (laughs) I can talk now. Um, So if you listened to the previous episode that came out two weeks ago, episode 54 with uh, Naima or NB, um, by the time I sat down to record the intro and outro for that episode, I was under the weather and had lost my voice. Um, So hope you enjoyed the rasp during that episode, (laughs) but now I have my voice, I've regained my voice and we are very glad about that. Second piece of good news I had to share is that I recently received the best, just a really kind message out of the blue from a listener in Belgium. I didn't even know I had listeners in Belgium, but apparently I have this one at least. Um, So shout out to Low Hustle who sent me a message on Instagram that was very kind. I'm going to read it really quickly just so y'all can share in the in the in the good feeling that I got from it when I saw it the first time so um hi it's been a few weeks since I came across your podcast and I just wanted to reach to thank you these are really insightful and inspiring and I do believe that you make an extraordinary job finding those people so I'm grateful to have come across your website just sending some love and support from Belgium you're doing great And then when I thanked him for his kind words and uh, just thanked him for taking the time to contact me from Belgium, uh, he responded, you're welcome. Please keep on providing us with such interesting guests. So that's, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. So thank you so much to Lil Hustle. Um, As I've said in the past, also if you hear clickety clacketing, that's Julia. I did not lock her up as I normally do, and this is the price for that, so, (laughs) um, there she goes. Anyway, so, as I've said in the past, I can take, I can use all the, the encouragement that I can get, and I really do enjoy receiving feedback from you all, so, um, the prime thing to do, what I would really enjoy, is if you 
leave a five-star review for this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Um, but also, you're also welcome to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. Or you can do like Low Hustle did and send me a, a message on Instagram. Um, at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and then my personal account is out there as well so uh, yes I mean if you have if you have feedback to share you just want to say hey feel free to reach out to me I, I would love I would really love that and thank you again Lil Hustle for listening and for your support oh also one more thing I, I want to say is that I know there's like a global health crisis going on right now and uh people are being advised to stay put for the time being as opposed to traveling around um but i've still got these these interviews and these stories locked and loaded and i'm just gonna keep putting them out because you know why not so i <laughs> uh, just want to make a note of that now on to zakira so zakira is a brand strategist she is a photographer she's an author she just put out a memoir called seeing life through a different lens at the end of 2019 and Sakura is also deaf and blind she had cancer when she was a child and, and that led to um, seeing impairment and then also uh, developed a hearing impairment as well so that's something that's been a part of her life you know all this time since she was a child uh, but thanks to her own her own desires and also the support of people around her she never let her disabilities uh, stop her from so you know she's traveled to multiple countries so far uh, for our conversation we mostly talked about a volunteer trip that she went on in Ghana she was she lived in Ghana for two months right after she graduated from high school so that's what we mostly talked about but she's also been to other african countries she's been to costa rica and has also been to the caribbean so you know she, she's gotten out there and um and she also is a, a creative storyteller and especially a visual storyteller with her photography so um it's really interesting how she has uh, been able to maneuver her disabilities and, and even use them to, to her advantage. So uh, you'll get to hear about that today. Also, I want to say that this episode is transcribed. Zakira, as someone who is hearing impaired, gave me some really good tips about tools I could use to transcribe this episode. So at least for this episode, you'll be able to read the transcription of it, um, enjoy the audio and the transcription for it, and hopefully that will be the beginning of me uh, doing the same for the rest of the show's catalog. Um, but yeah, Zakira is also a podcaster like myself. She has a podcast called Living Legacy, where she talks to women about uh, overcoming obstacles and resilience and the legacies that they feel like they're leaving. And uh, so, you know, that's she gave me some ideas for things I can use to, to transcribe the show and make it more accessible. So thank you, Zakira, for that. And I've been talking a lot today, so I'm going to say... <laughs> Without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with my friend, Sakira Muhammad. Okay, wonderful. So, uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for agreeing to be a guest on this podcast. I really appreciate it. 
Um, I know it took a while because you, I think you messaged me back in September and I don't know where I was at, but, um, <laughs> at least we've hey, got it happens. together now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself a bit, if you don't mind. Yes. Yeah, so my name is Akira and I am a brand cultivating strategist. And basically that means that I help you to look good on social media. Hmm. Um, but that's just what I do. Photo- photography is my first love. It was a photograph that really saved my life. Um, I was nine months old when I had surgery to remove my right eye um, due to a childhood cancer called retinoblastoma. Hmm. So that is just how my life really got started. And But through that, I never let any of the disabilities of the hindered um senses because of course even though i I see i have 20 20 vision in one eye but then i also have a mild hearing loss so i wear hearing aids in both ears but i've never really let that um stop me or slow me down um because as a result i've been to 10 countries so far in my life Mm -hmm. and three of them were study abroad but my most favorite was to mother africa um, to Ghana in 2011. Yeah. And that's just the gist of who I am. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, I, that's something I was, um, as I was um, looking through your website and, and reading up on you a bit, that's something I was curious about is that you've been so many places. You know, I was wondering, oh, does she usually have assistance or does she, is she, you know, kind of just um manages on her own so it sounds like you are pretty much you know you're self-sufficient and you're fine just going to all these places on your own and everything yeah i was a well i guess at least for now i would say i'm like a one woman show so Mm -hmm. i've adapted to solo travel yeah so even though my very first uh out of country experience ever was to costa rica Mm -hmm. it was with a group called global explorers and that group was entirely either uh, they were deaf, they were hard of hearing, or they were um, sign language enthusiasts, meaning they wanted to learn about sign language, learn about the deaf, deaf and mm-hmm. hard of hearing culture. So that was a great, I would say I'm grateful for my mom, who uh, her friend or our family friend found that opportunity because that was a great introduction to just knowing how to adapt outside of the country. Of course, it was easy for me because I didn't have to struggle um, with hearing or comprehending too much because if if I didn't hear somebody, somebody else didn't hear them either. So, you know, they <laughs> had to repeat themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was easier the late, the more study abroad groups that I went on a trip with, mm-hmm. the more easier it became for understanding, um, you know, how to advocate for myself. Because after that, I was blessed with the opportunity to also... Um, still, while still in high school, travel again um, that same year because the first one was doing spring break, the second one was doing summer break. Okay. As a um, student ambassador with People to People, so we it was like a two week tour across um, the England, across mm-hmm. England, France, and Italy. But that was where I went from not being the only one with hearing aids to being the only one with hearing aids though so, mm. but it was a it was it was a somewhat smooth transition because i mean i, I was in high school so we had chaperones who literally had to know my medical history and right. understand 
Um, and at least for the most part, they were empathetic too. Mm-hmm. So it's just it it was a real tra- transition from going from having the study abroad program to then going solo because by the time it was time for Operation Crossroads Africa, I was a I had just graduated high school, mm-hmm. so I was in the middle of adulthood, or so I thought. So <laughs> by then it was. Okay, I know what to expect, what not to expect, um, especially since we did have an orientation yeah. um, before we traveled with Operation Crossroads Africa, which is basically what I consider the Peace Corps before the Peace Corps. So that was two months. That was the entire summer, mm. not just two weeks, but two months. So by then, of course, I literally had to learn a lot more about myself and definitely advocate for myself because, of course, now I'm in a country where English is not the main language, and I am the only one who um, had not only a hearing difficulty, but vision difficulty. Mm-hmm. So then I have to really explain to those who have never seen hearing aids before, mm-hmm. like, why these things are in my ear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then, but also because that was just a transition between tweenhood to adulthood i guess you know i was 18 there's a lot of first time experiences that you can experience in a uh, different country at the age of 18 Mm -hmm. and um yeah so a lot of it just really transitioned and helped me by the time i was able to take either my first girls trip once i was at a collegiate level and i took like weekend trips with my girls um or then even my first I think my first official solo trip was to the Gambia. Mm-hmm. But ironically, I was on the same flight as the Operation Crawford African Volunteers. So <laughs> I'm like, well, hi and bye. So I saw them, but I wasn't like a part of their program. But it was still solo, but not solo. Right. And then that trend kind of kept on as I went to South Africa, I guess, with the two years after that. Um, because I traveled uh, on the same flight. Um, but I, with my own trip itinerary with mm-hmm. a group called No Madness Travel Tribe. And so it's basically, this is when by the time Facebook was huge, Facebook groups is huge. And there's a group called No Madness and it's just people of color that, uh, if you happen to have the same agenda, you, you know, then create a subgroup within that Facebook group of, for example, everyone that was going to South Africa that year for mm-hmm. what it was, what the time was the inaugural essence festival in durban south africa so oh wow you know it's like i've been solo but then i haven't been solo because i've always tried to connect with someone so right. thank goodness for you know great relationship thank goodness for technology mm-hmm. yes i appreciate that you made that point about making connections along the way because that also um that that's important that's an important part of it too for high school so you started going out of the country in high school, right? What was it that made you want to start going on these trips and traveling internationally? What was the inspiration for you? Well, my first interest in travel really began thanks to my parents. I think initially because I was so afraid of everyone else's opinion because I was so afraid of, you know, what could go wrong with, you know, my hearing or my vision. I never really could imagine traveling outside of the country. So that was not something I even thought about. I was fine with our, 
you know, road trips across the U.S. My dad was a, you know, drove a, a truck, an 18 wheeler truck, a majority of my life. So I was fine with, you know, being with him on spring and summer, uh, spring and summer breaks. But then when that opportunity presented itself through um, a family friend to mm-hmm. my mom, she was like, this is perfect. So, <laughs> of course, even at first, she was like, so what do you think? Do you want to go? At first, I was like, thinking of everything that could go wrong. And I was like, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she was like, um, you know, she had me kind of either do my research on the organization or even have the mutual friend of ours tell me more about those who went and enjoyed it Mm -hmm. and then um you know just some some kind of encouragement of if you don't like it you don't have to try forever again you know (laughs) just try this one time (laughs) so and of course you know there's this popular phrase of once you get bitten by the travel bug Mm -hmm. then you know that's it's in you for life so that's actually what happened i mean not only did i enjoy just being around people i really love cultivica i love the culture which it why not because i grew up in miami for a lot of the florida it's still his beautiful hispanic culture i mm-hmm. even thought i wanted to retire there so mm. i think it was literally just the push you know the light push of my mom and my parents you know just saying just give it a try <laughs> yeah that's so funny you went from not wanting to go or feeling like apprehensive and then you went from that to being like oh i want to go to more places now you know so that's <laughs> that's good that it did work out for you and you didn't come away thinking, oh, I never want to travel again, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You mentioned that you um, your most, like, favorite one or the one that was most impactful for you was going to um, Ghana with Operation Crossroads Africa. Was it because you were going to a- Africa or was it because it was a longer time and it allowed you to experience it more? Like, why was that the one that's so close to your heart? Well, I didn't realize it would be um, as impactful as it was. Mm-hmm. I think how I came about that situation was also through my parents. They tell me with my dad, a mutual friend of my dad, who mm-hmm. was like, oh, this would be great for her. So um, it was just... A little bit of everything in one, I would say. Mm-hmm. One, yes, it's Africa. I grew up reading about it in National Geographic magazines and TVs and, you know, Lion King movie, things like that. <laughs> um, and then um, also, yeah, I, I got to be of service. I got to be a um, teacher, a primary school teacher. So that's basically elementary. Well, they kind of combine it. Elementary slash middle school years. It's like primary school. And, but by that time, I also had a professional camera. So I wasn't just using the Kodak digital camera, you know, or the Kodak film camera that you take to the convenience stores. I had my digital camera. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. I can practice. Um, but it was a great, a perfect length and also a perfect time in my life to really learn the most about myself. Because even though we were with a group, we had a homestay family. There mm-hmm. was about 14 of us in one house. So I grew up without my siblings because they're like half my age. So they were, by okay. the time I was born, they were either in high school or middle school, college. You know, I only <laughs> saw them, you know, when they were busy, right? So right, I was right. like, okay, all of a sudden I have a bunch of brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once again, it was also just the time of life to really learn how to navigate. And not only was I navigating myself, but also navigating different cultures um, I was just, you know, also just learning how to be or 
almost be uh, a young adult. So that was a glimpse into who I am as a woman as well. So mm-hmm. not only was I, you know, leaving an impact on the small villages that we visited, because not only were we teaching, we also got to build a clinic um, that for a community that did not even have a hospital or even, you know, a easy answer to transportation. So the fact that we were able to leave an impact like that, yeah. Um, you know, of course, when you give of service to others, it's fulfilling in its own. So there's just a lot of reasons why Crossroads Africa was, you know, the best trip. And I feel like it also opened the doors for me also to have more understanding, maybe even empathy for mm-hmm. the immigration process. Because, um, you know, maybe fast forward, if it wasn't for that opportunity, I wouldn't have met um, my husband, because we had a mutual friend who actually traveled to the Gambia mm-hmm. uh, the same year that I went to Ghana. So had I not met her um, and had we not became so close, I ended up I probably would not have met my husband because, wow. um, you know, we met through mutual friends. I mean, on Facebook, yes, but <laughs> through actual mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> of course, by the time I went to the Gambia, uh, maybe this was three years later, um, you know, I had a of understanding of the African culture because mm-hmm. then that's a whole this is a whole nother subject of you know this international love basically of marrying interculture mm-hmm. marrying because a lot of I would say interculture struggle when um, if you've never stepped on the soil and seen how they live yeah you know if you have no idea of that it kind of makes any kind of relationship really not whether you're a friend or, or spouse or whatever difficult if you have no idea how they live mm-hmm. so that really kind of um i feel like maybe that's that's the sum of it all some of the answer of how did it impact me well i wouldn't you know have an understanding of how to be a wife mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to um you know an immigrant <laughs> mm-hmm. okay well wow, so your husband is from from the gambia mm-hmm. and you met him through a friend that you met while you were in ghana well i met i met him through a friend who traveled to well, okay. So it's I went to Ghana. She went to the Gambia. Okay. So, but she she's American. Like she's well, stop. She's half her ancestry actually part Zimbabwean, but she's American. Okay. Um, and she would ended ended up going because Crossroads. What Crossroads does is mm-hmm. it, they don't necessarily give you a choice of where to go. They just ask you what kind of project you want to be a part of, like right. medical, okay. education, arts, environmental. Like what kind of project you want to be a part of, and then mm-hmm. based off of the project that year or the popularity of where people want to go. That's how you get chosen for which country. So mm-hmm. she got chosen for the Gambia and I got chosen for Gambia. Gotcha. Ghana, sorry. So Ghana. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you were, you had already known each other before you went, you, before you before participated husband, in this program. Yeah. Okay. I met, I gotcha. met um, my friend at the Crossroads Africa um, orientation, which we have for about three days prior to our departure for, yeah. to the country for two months. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and I, I, I see why you said it was um, kind of like the Peace Corps because it sounds very similar in terms of like being service-oriented and placing you kind of where they think you fit best based on what type of service that you want to do. Um, how did it... You said you were teaching, right? So did they train you either like before or after you arrived to be able to, to teach? Nope, and I think that's also where it's very similar to Peace Corps. Is okay. that you don't 
it, it's like becoming a parent all of a sudden. You don't really get taught those life skills. <laughs> it just right, happens. Right. So ironically, I guess the good thing is that our group leader, um, we still had someone who was kind of in charge of us per se. Mm-hmm. She actually was an educator. So she was the one who was like, okay, so this is how you have a, um, a plan. This is how you prepare for school supplies. This is how you prepare for any of the questions that you know, the students may ask, this is how you prepare for mm-hmm. uh, the students that misbehave because I have this experience. So she kind of gave us her experience as an educator. Um, so we had to wing it. The best of us just really had to wing it because I think everybody was studying. I was the youngest, actually, because, I mean, the minimum age, I think, is 18. And I, I, was, I was that age. I was 18. Everyone yeah. else was already either freshman, junior, sophomore, maybe even a senior in college, mm. or even post-college. Cause each, uh, the oldest person, I think, that's ever traveled with Operation Crawford Africa was in her 70s or 80s. So oh, the wow. age limit <laughs> is the sky. Really. Okay. But... um Everyone else, not everyone would really specifically studying education, so I think that's what made it interesting. It's like if you have a love of kids, you have a love for learning. I think that's how we basically can choose education, but everyone else studied everything. I mean, there were two guys in the um, army, so... Mm-hmm. They just, you know, it was great leadership position for them. And then there's one who loved to dance and one who preferred, like, and more enjoyed more of the environmental side of it rather than teaching, mm-hmm. you know? So it was just a really interesting group. But see, for me, I would just, I mean, I love kids. So I'm like, okay, sure. I'll pretend to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you, so you winged it, but it worked out because you did have that, you already liked kids and you were willing to like rise to the occasion and figure it out as you went. Absolutely. Okay. And that became the best, you know, leadership skill of problem solving. Yeah. Really. Because I think that that's what it narrows down to. No matter where you're chosen, whether, no matter what project you're chosen for, no matter what country you're chosen for, it's mm-hmm. literally a matter of, okay, here you go, figure it out, but we're <laughs> here for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. And just so uh, I have a clear picture in my head, it, when you were in Costa Rica, that was more so. I think you said in, in an episode of yours, it was like ecotourism. Like you were learning mm-hmm. about the culture. It was literally ecotourism. We okay. stayed in a ecotourism hotel where everything was recycled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then at night we stargazed. And during the day, we also learned how they make, you know, coffee, like the Starbucks coffee. Then we went to a pineapple farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was literally an ecotourism trip where we had to recycle we also learned, we also ate, um, you know, fresh food like every day because the people were growing their own food and we learned how to milk cows. I mean, even though my dad's from Tennessee, I had never milked a cow before. <laughs> so <laughs> that was like, I was like, okay, now I understand how daddy felt. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was literally an entirely, the, the theme of it at least was an ecotourism trip, even yeah. though, you know, everyone else was also just signing to each other along the way mm-hmm. and, you know, learning more about the death, you know, and heart of and culture as well. Yeah. So, um, sorry, I, I'll get to Ghana, I'll get back to Ghana because I had more questions about that. But um, in terms of the Costa Rica trip, you said there were sign language enthusiasts and people who wanted to learn more about, like, the deaf community. So was that, like, were you meeting local people in Costa Rica who also had um, hearing difficulties as well? 
So I'm trying to remember back, and I actually don't think so. I think the okay. only thing that was local was the theme itself. So because it was like an ecotourism trip, like right, we right. had those who enjoyed hiking, enjoyed being in nature locally. Mm-hmm. But I think it was just a matter of the students, of who participates. That's what only determines um, the deaf and sign language culture. So gotcha. okay. a lot of the people were from this one school that had like, a course of on um, sign language or you know the deaf and hard of hearing culture so mm-hmm. they all a majority of them knew each other um because they all went from the same school to join this one week program and then the rest of it kind of came from everywhere else who actually had uh hearing impairments or were completely deaf mm-hmm. and things of that sort i see all right okay so that's Costa Rica, and then obviously ghana was more so more immersive more about like Involves more like service and and everything. Yeah, Ghana was specifically service. No matter which uh, route we could have gone, it's specifically service. So, for example, my friend that I met who went to um, Gambia, she um, was on the public health track. So her project was uh, they were at a hospital. Mm. So they were also, you know, midwifery and, you know, everywhere in that aspect as far as being in a hospital goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said, um, you know, during that time you kind of had to, uh, well, continue to learn to advocate for yourself and explain to people who don't understand about your background or even just the fact that you have hearing aids and all that. I'm wondering about, like, your students, how did they receive you? Um, and, I mean, were you able to, like, were they were they interested in learning sign language because that you were their teacher? I think it became interesting as I got older, as soon as I, as soon as I left Costa Rica, I feel like the most interesting and challenging mm-hmm. trip, uh, a study abroad trip that I did was the one to Europe. Okay. One, because there was like 40 to 50 people in one group and maybe just five chaperones per 10 students or however, right? So it was difficult because there was what I felt not enough adults per child. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it was was like a big old high school classroom, right? Like you could raise your hand and be like, "Uh, teacher, 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 I need help. And Mm -hmm. you'd be like, okay, one second, you know? So it was most difficult with the trip to Europe because I literally was like, I had to find somebody next to me, I guess, buddy, have a buddy system maybe. Yeah. And that buddy was the one who I told or trusted. Okay, so this is what happens if my eye looks weird. This is what happens if I don't hear you. This is what happens when I sleep because mm. I take my hearing aid out when I sleep. Um, This is something that has never happened before. My hearing aid battery died in the middle of this noisy street and I'm oh, freaking no. out. You know, stuff like yeah. that. So that was the most difficult part because it was like they were chaperones, but we literally had to have a buddy system because there's so many kids. Mm-hmm. And how could they, you know, prioritize my health when there's so many other kids who were freaking out because they did their first trip and, you know, everybody got so many issues going on. Yeah. But it was challenging in that way because this is right between, this is the trip between Costa Rica and Ghana. So mm-hmm. had I not had either one of those experiences, by the time I get to Ghana or even get to the trip where I'm, um, you know, meeting my husband in Gambia, I wouldn't, you know, have been like, okay, so here's what's happening. And I need, I need a day. I need a minute before we, you know, continue mm-hmm. the itinerary before, you know, I, I need to do something else. 
you know, like by the time I went to Ghana, um, at least I was probably not figuring out as much as I could have if I was in the same predicament, I would say, in Europe. Mm-hmm. Because once I was in Ghana, then not only was I learning about how to make sure that I never, like, I always have my hearing aids charged, like have a new battery. Mm-hmm. But by the time I get to Ghana, there's a different situation of, having enough batteries because it got so hot in Ghana that my hearing aid batteries die by the hour. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so I put, I packed for what I thought would be two months in the U.S. Um, but then that required an emergency of me calling my mom. Um, I think we could get, you know, cheap local phones with local SIM cards. And I would mm-hmm. call my mom and be like, okay, so here's the situation. So thank goodness for the boys two boys who were in the military because they have that experience of how to be calm in a chaotic situation too. (laughs) So, you know, my mom was able to kind of overnight with the help of my audiologist, my ear doctor, to make sure that one, I actually learned how to have a case that is, I guess you would consider weather sensitive. So Mm -hmm. if it's a two, if if, if you're in an environment that's too cold, put, put the hearing aids in those to preserve not only the hearing aid, but the hearing aid battery. And if it's also too hot, use that same case. So like weather sensitive um, hearing aid cases. So it's, it's, it's never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Right. Sounds like it. <laughs> um, so then how did you, how were you able to manage a classroom then, um, you know, when you're trying to teach students? Did you have to do the same sort of thing where you had to explain to them, okay, this is, if this happens, this is what this means, or... Um, you know, in this, in this situation, I need you to, to do this, that, like, did you have to kind of give them that same type of, I guess, orientation that you've had to give people in the past? Yes. And the good thing about work with children, especially when they're in that age frame of before the innocence, I would say, taken away, mm-hmm. they are the most empathetic and understand. They ask a lot of questions, but it is not insulting. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I have to tell them, well, sometimes I would also have to have the translator like I may not have been the only if depending on which classroom I was teaching that day mm-hmm. I may not have been the only teacher because it's such a big classroom that they need two teachers so if it was one of those days where I was uh, a, like a co-teacher I could tell the teacher in English it was important like that I need a child to raise their hand don't mm-hmm. all shout raise their <laughs> hand so I can call on them and I can focus on one student at a time because mm-hmm. I know they get excited and want everybody want to talk at once yeah. um and then yeah I think most of it is when I told the teacher the teacher then tells the students and then they understand mm-hmm. especially if you know I'm telling them in English they're like what um so <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> it was still a, a easy situation because I'm like okay they're like, what are those things in your ears? Can I touch it? You know, stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. like in the innocence of, uh, sure, yes, but be careful. They're very expensive, you know, yes. stuff like that. Compared to if it was, you know, a, a person of a different age, you know, just, you know, it, I would say ignorantly asking. There's a difference between children asking and adults asking. Because right. They're just uh, a level of ignorance that had grown, you know, with age, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Okay, so that was like your that was your project it was was teaching the kids. But what types of things did you do outside of that, like to explore, to have fun, or even just to learn more about Ghana? What did you do outside of of teaching? 
So the good thing about my group leader that we literally, um, well, she was pretty organized. So what mm-hmm. we would do is try to plan our itinerary. So the way we lived life was almost like a nine to five, like Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. unless it was a four day week because it was holiday, you know, 4th of July, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we were at school on the weekend. We would either travel to a nearby town and visit touristy spots. Sometimes we would, that's where we would kind of break up into smaller groups and do what we wanted to do. Some people literally just wanted to rest, to chill, to do nothing. Mm-hmm. Other people love clubbing. They wanted to be out, be with music. Some people just wanted to prefer to uh, explore cuisines. So they would, um, we also would take turns with chores. So sometimes it was somebody else's turn that weekend to cook or clean or go to the market to get food for the other, you know, people to cook or, or clean mm-hmm. so it was just a matter of literally you know having an everyday life so um yeah. i mean we, we went clever we went um a zip not zip lining but walking the um trail over the mountains in the rainforest they have yeah. one of those and but then also there is a travel week so even though it's a two-month trip there's one week where we can just travel Okay. Um, in country, really, ideally, I mean, they've changed the rules over the year because they've been around for like almost 70 years. But, mm-hmm. um, most of, for the most part, your travel week should stay in that country. So what we did, there were three groups going to Ghana that year. So we were in the southern part of Ghana. There's another one in the middle part of Ghana, mm-hmm. kind of. And then the one in the far northern part of Ghana. So what we did for our travel week, we completely switched with, um, those who were in the north with those who are in the South. So Southern Ghana is, I don't know, think of it as modern and busy as South Africa. Okay. Um, but then by the time you get North, think of it as isolated and, and de- deserty like Morocco or something like that. So mm-hmm. they literally were in a predominantly Muslim area. And uh, ironically, most of the time, Ramadan, the holy month of Ramadan for um, Muslim, mm. is in the summer. I mean, it changes because it's a lunar calendar, not the Gregorian. Yeah. But at that time, it was in the summer. So when we switched, we were also switching right into the middle of Ramadan, where nothing would happen until nighttime. Wow. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that was interesting. But yeah, when we were not teaching or being of service or um, some people even kind of wanted to create their own project of they they realized the women were not educated about their bodies and and um their sexual health and things of that sort so some of my group members wanted to take the lead and go to uh other schools and teach about you know sexual health or then i do recall one time going to a different school and just teaching because mm-hmm. some were like some can't handle, you know, kids, you know, ages 5 to 10 because, like I said, they're so inquisitive. They're so busy, right? So some volunteer for like, I want to work with the older kids. We're the older kids. <laughs> so uh, one day <laughs> I remember going to a high school. I think we just had to switch. You know, we still had a buddy system even then. So mm-hmm. I remember one time going to a high school um, and we taught kids there. So it was just a matter of, of any way to fully immerse ourselves into that culture because that was the best the purpose of the trip, not... Not, it's not a mission trip. It's not um, a touristy stay, you know. The purpose is do whatever you can to uh, be of service to the uh, local community there um, mm-hmm. and, and just learn along the way everything you can about the culture, the language, the, the men, <laughs> you know, whatever it is to mm-hmm. really learn about the country. Yeah. 
and you feel like you really um um what am I trying to say? You felt like you were immersed and you got that full experience, that nuance experience to get as much out of that trip as you could. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I took it and ran with it when we were invited, when we were, you know, instructed to do so. Yeah. Um, at orientation. But also, I, the more I learned, the more, cause I love learning. I love researching. So yeah. I was like, the more I learned, the more I realized it's actually the best way to travel. So, mm-hmm. you know, every other, I mean, my girl's trip, weekend trip, that was cool, that was fun, but it was just a weekend, so I'm like, okay, whatever, I want to go back when I can be with, you know, the less fortunate and stuff like that, so I love when I can plan a trip and, um, you know, just do that, so that just kind of stuck with me no matter where I want to go, I want to go to, the, I'm going to take the road less traveled, right, mm-hmm. I want to go to where uh, those who are less fortunate see how they live, see how I can help them, you mm-hmm. know, things like that, so. It stuck with me. Yeah, sounds like it kind of set a um, like a precedent or a rubric for you to always um, look back on when you travel. Yeah, that's really. I'm glad that that it stuck with you in that way. Um, I wanted to ask about um, you. You have a podcast as well, right? Living Legacy. I do have a podcast. Yes, it's yeah. called Living Legacy Podcast, and the theme of it is woman of purpose, mm-hmm. sharing stories of resilience. So I started it originally as a video series. So I have, you know, with my experience as a photographer, I have a lot of experience as an event photographer for mm-hmm. you know media, event, music, media, things of that sort. So I started it with, you know, incorporating it whenever I did get a, a media pass at an event. There were some that were so flexible that not only was I photographing, I could, you know, switch to video mode on my camera and just interview mm-hmm. and ask people what, you know, their legacy would be. So then I was like, oh, the podcast movement is growing. Maybe I can make it a podcast. And so originally I was going to keep that same theme of interview those in the media about what their legacy is. But then I realized, okay, so... Um, I'm a living legend too, kind of, and not many people know my story. So then I kind of combined it to be a solo and an interview podcast where, um, I tell my story, you know, I tell my cancer story, my, my story of, uh, living with hearing aids, living with secondary disorders, traveling, things of that sort. And then I would interview people who have similar paths. And so now that I'm into season three now. So I oh, recently wow. released a memoir also. So I have also used season two as kind of a promo. There's like a few chapters, snippets um, as episodes in season two. Mm-hmm. And so now that season three, the name of my book is Seeing Life Through Different Lens. Mm-hmm. So I made that the headline, you know, for yeah. a Living Legacy podcast. Of, you know, it's still interviewing women of purpose who have overcame adversity with resilience, but they see life through a different lens. Yeah. I just, oh my goodness, it to- I totally just got it. Because I saw the the info about your book, and I saw that you do photography, but I literally didn't click until just now, like seeing life through a different lens fits because you are a photographer mm-hmm, <laughs> i can't mm-hmm. believe I, I just got that just now. <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's, that's the most common thing that you will see on the Amazon review. They're like, the title is so perfect. Right. <laughs> right. Um, do you, since you are a photographer, do you just kind of have like tons and tons of photos from your travels? Like, are you still, does your photography factor into how you um, learn about these new places when you go? 
Uh, you have no idea how many photos I have and how many hard drives I have. <laughs> Honestly, my I thought my first book, and I started it too. I remember working on it. I thought my first book would be from just my Africa trips alone. Mm-hmm. But thank goodness, you know, I got my story out there first. And now maybe I'll think about, I'll revisit my travel photo book. But I have so many photos. But what's interesting though is, you know, like I've said previously, that my biggest uh, travel photography experience came when once I had what they call a digital single lens camera. So hmm. a DSLR camera, which is Nikon, Sony, Canon, things of that sort. So once I carried that camera with me on my trip, you know, especially to Ghana, that's when I would say I learned, according to a, a family friend who kind of put it that way and mm-hmm. stuck with me, that I captured the essence of humanity. So I mm. tend to just kind of kept that with me. I realized, you're right, that's what I do. I love portraits the most. So, for example, whenever it was lunchtime um, and the kids knew that they didn't have to be so professional or cordial, whenever they were just being themselves, I, that's the perfect, the best photo, my favorite photos. Mm-hmm. Um, so moments like that of just capturing kids being kids. So I started in Ghana and then... I, you know, took my camera also back with me in Gambia. And then while we were in the Gambia, we got to go spend, I think, five days in Senegal. So I um, took my camera there, too, of course, and then South Africa. So for the most part, I mean, I would take trips. You know, I, I, you know my girls' trip were to Jamaica and Puerto Rico. So I took photos there, too. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like there was such a theme, especially since there's such a stigma around Africa, Mm-hmm. So I was like, I think I want that to be a book. And I did start it, but I think, you know, now that I'm in a different place in my life, um, that I could, you know, finish it, but probably, you know, revisit the theme a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and congratulations on the podcast, obviously, but uh, your memoir as well, putting out a book, that's a big deal. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's fantastic. Um, since you talk about, uh, uh, you know, your shows about legacies and everything, and um, so you're, you know, kind of having to think about your own legacy and then talk to other women about their legacies all the time, uh, I'm wondering for you, how do you feel that travel factors into your own your own personal legacy? I think travel is everything because without travel, I would not have many life experiences i mean you can only learn so much in school really mm-hmm. so by the time i travel like I've, I've i mean i i went to school but i'm okay with not having a bachelor's or graduate degree and i'm not bashing those who choose to go to the highest level mm-hmm. but for me life is my school so the more i travel the more i learn not only by myself but about others um so travel, I think for me, I think I've learned that my legacy does include visually telling other people's stories, mm-hmm. which would then inspire others to want to tell their own stories and step outside of their own comfort zone. Um, because if I was blessed to be able to step outside of my own, own comfort zone, no matter, you know, despite surviving a childhood cancer, um, you know, just inspiring others to do the same, live that dream that's just kind of bubbling inside of them that they may not have brought out to service yet because of life, right? They could life got in the way. Mm-hmm. But um, I think just um, using my ability to tell visual stories as a visual creative and also 
I'm about to do them whatever means it whether it's gonna be podcasting um writing or even eventually film you know things like that whatever creative means that i can tell my story or even other people's stories through i think that's my purpose of inspiring you to tell your own story step outside of your own comfort zone yeah Wow, that's beautiful. That, that really is beautiful. And you're always- but, I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, I'm sure people are like, but how do you know this? Like, how did you figure this out? I think for me, I'm just like, I'm so self-aware because, I mean, I have siblings. Shout out to my siblings if they're mm-hmm. listening. But I grew up technically an only child because everybody else was busy with life. So I reflected a lot. I wrote in my journal a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I was always thinking stuff, so... It made sense, especially when I wrote my journal and then I would look back at it five years later and I'd be like, oh my goodness, look at this theme, you know? Like, I was always, you know, I never stood away from anything creative. I never stood away from music, mm-hmm. you know? I never stood away from taking photos because, you know, my first time I held a camera, um, I was five years old, you know? So, yeah. it's most of the time, that's, that's where you, that's how far back you gotta look. Like, what were you into where were you, what were you doing between ages, you know, three, four, five, six, and seven? Yeah. And, and find a way to tap into that, which, which you have obviously been able to do, you know, because you have traveled so extensively. Uh, I'm wondering if you have any um, advice for anyone who wants to have those type of international experiences that you've had. Any, off the top of your head, any advice in regard to travel that you think would be important to share? I think, you know, if you want to get out there, but you're really not sure, mm-hmm. you know, you're still, I guess I'll be a little honored to, you're still listening to your friends and family who say that XYZ country is not safe. Um, there are so many groups out there that have different budgets, different time frames, um, or different group sizes, uh, different group agendas to, if you don't want to tr- travel solo just yet. Mm-hmm. So I am all for traveling with group jet to start off with to finally say i have been to xyz country i mean i personally but me personally i say choose a country that most people not everybody's trying to flock to on a cruise you know or for a vacation mm-hmm. but you know if you can like there's country there's uh groups where if you're a professional um but you don't want to completely leave work but you want to just see what it's like to be somewhere else for three months of course there's plenty of countries the u.s passport is so powerful that you can go to a country that does not require visa. you could just be there for like 90 90 days mm-hmm. um do that something like that um or even just go to join one of the all-female groups if you just want to also find a group that will help you with your personal development and things of that sort and of course you know there's plenty of other groups outside of National Geographic for, you know, there are more groups coming out there for people of color mm-hmm. that with National Geographic, Geographic style photo workshops and exhibitions and exhibits uh, to learn photography in a new country. So if if you want to start traveling, if you want to go far, go with the group, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, start with the group if you really just want to go um, to a new country, but you're really not sure how to get started. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good advice. And and then any, any tips for being able to afford going on these, um, experiences, either just like in general, um, traveling for one's leisure or, you know, participating in the programs that you did, any tips for being able to afford that? 
Well, of course, technology now is just so different. There are so many saving apps and programs, especially those that automatically save for you, mm-hmm. especially for those um, banks and savings accounts where you don't even have to touch it or look at it. So I would say definitely save. Make that a goal. Like, it's still a great time of year to write down and manifest your goals. Um, that's yeah. the biggest thing, I would say. Have that mindset of, okay, I want to do this, first and foremost. Um, now, for me, when I was doing these... Um, groups now you know mind you i was still in school at least for the first two mm-hmm. so there was you know program they were programs there were grants and scholarships and um you know programs but for operation across africa that required a bit of fundraising now for me i also love being creative in the kitchen but only when it comes to baking like do not okay. ask me to cook <laughs> <laughs> i don't mind baking so i had um a baking sale basically so that was part oh, okay. of um, how I raised money for my Crawford Africa trip because Crawford Africa I feel like was the most expensive because of course it's two months you got to take care of yourself for two months but the program includes just about all the most nece- necessary fees so mm-hmm. it included your airfare to and from the country it included your health uh, you know health insurance it included your basically like a per diem meals um, while you're in the country, but anything other than that, that's up to you, right? It, which makes sense, which is great. It's technically all inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had bacon sales, and of course, I had friends and family once they knew what um, this was the days before, like GoFundMe. Of course, GoFundMe is a great option, mm-hmm. but this was days before GoFundMe of literally calling your aunts and uncles and cousins and their cousins of, hi, so I'm going on a trip and I would like you to, you know, sponsor me or whatever. So um, I did that of just asking friends and family and, and um, you know, even my religious community uh, for financial help. Um, so that made it happen. Of course, it's just uh, also a matter of letting your guard down if you are one of those who hates asking for help, you mm-hmm. know, because you never know who really wants to be able to help you. Um, so, yeah, of course, GoFundMe is great um, for that. And, you know, it, tapping into your side hustle, too. Because, you know, like I said, I started a little bacon side hustle. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, those are all very good um, options, especially, like you said, now now there are more options now that didn't exist when you were, you know, going through it as a student. So um, there's a lot out there that people can use to to be able to fund these experiences and have, you know, these great times and these and these amazing life experiences. Do you have, is there anywhere um, that you're looking to go to next? Any place that's high on your list of places that you want to visit? Either it could be domestically or internationally. Well, I just, I'm just dreaming of my next international trip. I have no idea where or when it will be, but Mm -hmm. I have had this goal, of course, you know, ever since I stepped foot into Ghana, I've had this goal of wanting to see even more African countries. So, of course, there's 54 African countries in there. I mean, not all of them are politically safe to go to right mm-hmm. now, but I do want to go to as many as possible. So I would hope that um, my next trip is another African country. But, of course, that's those are, the flight itself are always expensive. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you, you hop on, like, a flight deal. But um, if not, then African or Caribbean countries. I mean, I'm wondering if I'll get to go to my grand, my maternal grandfather's um home country of you know the virgin islands so oh I would wow love to explore that yeah and i just feel like you know i was thinking about my ancestry the only thing i know about my ancestry at least on my 
maternal side is that I am a descendant of Frederick Douglass. So of course, oh. you know, of course, following follow his you know line of where did he come from? Where yeah. like where in West Africa and things of that sort. But then um, also on my, on my maternal family line is Caribbean, so USBI things of that sort. So mm. if I can you know go someplace. Um, not so far away, then it probably would be the Caribbean. So, but we'll just have to wait and see. Because life is, life is just gonna roll its course, and mm-hmm. then I'll know which one it will be. So, I guess you just have to follow me on social media or something to find out where I went to next. <laughs> right? Where does I care next? <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to wait and see, and um, and watch and see where you go. Which leads me to uh, it's, it's perfect segue to my last question that I always ask everybody is where can people find you or, or keep up with you online? Perfect. Yeah. So I am just about everywhere on social media um, at Illuminate One, which is the meaning of my middle name, Nayar. So mm-hmm. it's I L L U M I N O U S O N E. Um, okay. That's where my handles are, at least right now. I hope I don't try to change them. <laughs> uh, and then, but my website is uh, my first name and my middle name dot com. So Zakira Nayar dot com. Z A A K I R A H N A Y Y A R dot com. And mm-hmm. on there is really where you can find out more about my book, my podcast, uh, my services, see more of my photo work. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. My book, everything kind of, if you go to my website, everything, I'm trying to have everything kind of in one spot. So right. just go to my website and find where you want to go. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, thank you so much for your time today, Zakira. It was very nice to meet you. Um, I, I had already, like, I listened to a bit of your show, but it's nice to be able to, like, hear your voice in real time and get to know a bit about you. So thank you um, for agreeing to talk with me today. Thank you. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for having me and it's great to meet you too. I was I was looking at, you know, your your previous guest and what a small world it is. We got a couple of um of travel of friends in common. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um but yeah, this has been great. I've I've really enjoyed getting to hear about your story. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as well. Do you um, um transcribe your episodes? I need to. Uh, I do. I do transcribe the. I put out like little teaser snippets. Yeah. And so for those, I put. I do the subtitles for that. But I need to start on transcribing. That's something okay. I've been wanting so to do. So there's a tool that I've been using. I mean, it's not perfect because it's AI. Yeah. But uh, I find out about it through, you know, the founder of um, Women of Color podcasters. Mm-hmm. But Otter AI. So like the animal Otter. Okay. Dot AI. And oh. Okay. It's literally like, it to me it's amazing. I'm so glad she told me about it because it's literally also like another Dropbox to me. I could just drop my final audio in there, leave it to transcribe, and both the audio and the transcription is there. And I mean, now they're changing their their payment plans, but previously you could just download a PDF and mm-hmm. you know upload it to your website. Um, but you can still just copy and paste the text and have a fully transcribed. Um, imperfect but fully transcribed um episode so okay well thank you for that yeah i because i um i was thinking oh man i have to sit down through all the hours and, and, already and put what out. i like about it also sorry <laughs> what i like about no, it also okay. is i try to upload um you know most people listen to episodes on youtube 
you know, mm-hmm. it's the same way people try to listen to music on YouTube. So I'll upload yeah. episodes there. And sometimes I have no idea what keywords to use, but they put that at the top, like the most said, most repeated keywords uh, too. So right. I love that. Okay. Yes. Thank you for that. Um, Cause that's definitely something I need to get on. So thank you for mentioning those tools so I can, so I can get on that and make this, this thing more accessible. For now, I guess I'll just wish you a, a great Monday and um, I'll talk to you as, as it gets closer to March 15th. Sound good. All right. Thank you, Zakira. You have Thank a great day. You too. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Zakira for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast at Young Gifted and Abroad on Instagram and Facebook, and at YG Abroad on Twitter. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to this podcast wherever podcasts are. And you're welcome to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher while you're at it. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So, for the next episode in two weeks, the guest is going to be someone who works in tech and also has a really cool initiative that blend social justice and tech together but before she started doing all that she studied abroad for a semester in Lyon France so you'll get to hear all about that in two weeks but until then thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time